So wearing a robe for worship as a minister in many ways is a really wonderful thing. Not only does it indicate ordination and serve as a symbol of ministry, but it also makes us forget about the body. And for women whose bodies are often objectified, this kind of neutralization can be a really good thing. Because when you put on a robe, nobody's focusing on what you're wearing or how you look or whether you've put on or lost weight and so forth. Ladies are nodding their heads in acknowledgement. Yet today, it didn't feel right to wear a robe. And not that I wanted to draw attention to it, but I didn't want to veil my body's existence today. We're actually talking about awakening the body after all today. And I didn't intend to take my jacket off, but I was dripping. It was so hot that I thought I'd take my jacket off as well to listen to my body. Now, of course, we all have bodies. Just look around this room at all these beautiful bodies in this room. Whether we're heavier or thinner, whether we're able-bodied or not, whether we're trans or cisgender, whether we're healthy or not, our bodies are the vessels that we live through on this earth. Our bodies are how we experience life. Now, we often talk about the trinity of the body, mind, and spirit, or the body, mind, and heart. We have a little different trinity in Unitarian Universalism. But most of us live a lot in our minds, a little in our hearts and spirits, and are very rarely fully embodied, particularly Unitarian Universalists. We're known often for living in our heads and thinking really well and being rather disconnected from our physical beings. Those with Protestant roots are often called the frozen chosen, <laughs> existing from the neck up only. So today I wanted to spend some time acknowledging this sacred gift that we each inhabit. Put, put a hand somewhere on your body and just notice, like, you've got a body too. We all have bodies. Because it's a sacred gift, no matter what whether we're tall or short, whether we're old or young, whether we're oddly shaped or muscly, whether we're able-bodied or not, or whether we're feeling pain or pleasure. Our bodies are miracles that allow us to experience this existence. Now, it's obvious to say, but it's worth remembering that without our bodies, we wouldn't experience this life, right? Our bodies allow us to sense the world, to smell, to hear, to see, to feel, to touch, to taste. Our bodies are the window to this life. We are animals. We are animals who sense this world through our bodies. As the poet Mary Oliver says in her iconic poem, Wild Geese, you do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert repenting. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. And yet most of us don't listen to that soft animal of our body. 
And sadly, that's because many of us learn from a very young age to be ashamed of our bodies. We might be too boisterous or too active or we're too fat or too skinny or we're too sexual. Or our bodies might have undergone trauma or illnesses. And sometimes our bodies are viewed as scary, out-of-control beings that can get us into trouble. We're led by urges and cravings, by reactivity and animal instincts that may override our well-mannered upbringing. No wonder history and religion started to be wary of the power of the body, particularly the inexplicable mysteries of the female body. The power to give birth and connect with the earth's cycles, the ability to nourish humanity, to seduce and transform. Threatened by our natural urges and instincts, patriarchal culture and religions began to shame and control bodies, to have power over people thousands of years ago. Our bodies and spirits began to be colonized, to be dominated, and controlled. And the divine feminine, the connection to our earth, was ridiculed and pushed aside. Matriarchal cultures were vanquished. And bodily instincts and expressions were discarded as base and leading us into sin. Only now are we becoming more aware of the impact of such dominance and control on the natural beauty of our planet and our bodies. And so we disconnected, and we live life from the neck up. Religions have done a lot of harm to bodies. Afraid of their undeniable power, most religions prefer to deny the body's existence completely, to deny its impulses, sexual expression, and aliveness. And the spirit is considered superior over the body, and all manner of ways are devised to suppress the body's signals. The body is seen as the enemy that must be tamed under all circumstances. And throughout varying religious teachings, bodies are subjected to mandated celibacy, to restrictive diets, to circumcision, to genital mutilation, to self-flagellation, or the specification of particular forms of clothing. In Islam, for example, women are required to veil their bodies and often their faces so as not to tempt men. And meanwhile, Christianity has long shamed the body. In 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul says, I punish my body and enslave it so that after proclaiming to others, I myself should not be disqualified. Paganism and indigenous traditions, on the other hand, celebrate our connection to the earth and to our bodies. But these were regarded as evil unsophisticated and dangerous by most other religions, and those who use their intuitive gifts, working with the cycles of nature and the earth, were persecuted. The colonization and destruction of indigenous traditions followed around the world, and of course the Salem witch trials are clear examples of women and their bodies being seen as a threat. And meanwhile, male-identified bodies have been historically valued for their strength, their physical prowess and their aggression, but not necessarily for their whole selves. The dominant ethos in Western culture became the worship of the mind and doing. 
With industrialization, we became increasingly separated from our connection to the earth and to our bodies. And notions of rest and beingness were sidelined. We were taught to shun the divine feminine, to, to push away our instinctual bodies, to suppress them. And meanwhile, many of us deal with challenges and trauma around our bodies that lead us to further disconnect from them. Our bodies are storehouses of memories, of emotions and experiences. And these experiences can lead our bodies to shut down or disassociate quite naturally. We learn from the Me Too movement how many bodies are treated inappropriately or objectified. And throughout life, we face illness and pain, which often leads us to disconnect and see our bodies as enemies that we have to medicate or fight. And if our body doesn't match our internal sense of who we are, as transgender folks often tell us, we may feel betrayed by our body. We often shame our bodies or are disappointed by them when they don't work or look the way we want them to or how society tells us they should. And we may feel embarrassment or even disgust about our body if it doesn't match culture's idea of beauty or function. So this emphasis on denying and controlling our bodies, their urges and feelings has led us, most of us, to be disconnected from our source of experience of life. Everyone has views on the body, but more often than not, we're not taught to love our bodies. To love our bodies. Today, my friends, we are going to change that. It is time to awaken our bodies. It is time to fully live into these amazing vessels we are given. It is time to love and appreciate them. We're each given a Ferrari through which to experience life. And yet we often treat this Ferrari as though it's a falling apart old wooden ox cart. Am I right? But rather than just speak intellectually about the body, today I want us to get a sense of this amazing vessel that we inhabit. Our bodies have innate intelligence that can guide us. They carry sensitivity and messages that can inform us how to lead our lives. Our bodies are our greatest friend and wisest companion. If only we listen to them. So I invite us today to begin or continue a deeper partnership with our bodies. But how do we create that partnership and awaken our bodies? I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> Whatever physical limitations you may have, it's really important not to ignore or override them. Honor them while being rooted in your body, allowing yourself to be exactly as you are as a human animal. Animals don't look at their bodies and go, oh, I wish this part of me were different. 
Respect any fears that you may come across and go slow. Listen deeply. There can never be anything wrong with someone who is in their body, any more than there can be anything wrong with a branch on a tree or a cat or a dog or a leaf or anything we see in this beautiful creation. Another way to awaken is whenever you have an emotion, check where you feel it in your body. Mind and body are intricately linked. In her book, Coming Home to Myself, mythopoetic psychologist Marion Woodman says, mind and body are not separate, but part of a seamless, intricate network of intelligence. From a more intuitive perspective, your body can be considered a reservoir of cellular memory, wisdom, and guidance. And if you attend... It can richly reward your journey into the unconscious with understanding about your deepest being and about the ways in which you might find healing and wholeness. My friends, our bodies continually give us clues about whether to feel safe or confident or whether we're out of alignment. And we can access joy and health by tuning into and moving our bodies, sensations of all kinds, pain and tears, all tell a story in our bodies. In fact, theologian Frederick Buchner reminds us that whenever you find tears in your eyes, especially unexpected tears, it is well to pay the closest attention. They are not only telling you something about the secret of who you are, but more often than not, Spirit is speaking to you through them of the mystery of where you have come from and is summoning you to where you should go next. So today, let's explore allowing the body to come first. Are you game? Truth and integrity arise in our bodies. Our bodies can become the guide for how to experience more wholeness, health, and joy, and all you need in your life. And when we follow the guidance in our bodies, we are aligning with everything and everyone in the natural world. Finding our true flow allows us to align with love. So I invite you to put aside your mind for a few moments. And I know there's a lot of great minds in this room. But just imagine telling your mind that all will be well as you take a few moments to focus on your body. You'll continue listening to and honoring your mind. But for now, you might ask your mind to just wait in the foyer or another room while we focus our attention on our bodies. There are channels of energy inside our bodies that reflect what's going on. We just need to listen. In fact, Marian Woodman says, often we listen to a cat with more precision than we listen to our body. We cherish the cat. It purrs. Our body may have to release a scream, a symptom to be heard by us at all. Too often our soul can find no other way to be heard. 
So I'm just going to acknowledge that our service is going to run a little longer today because of these various circumstances, but I think our bodies are worth it. Do you agree? So I invite you now into a meditation time where we're going to connect with our bodies. I invite you to begin noticing how you're sitting or standing or lying if you're at home or sensing being in the moment. You may wish to close your eyes or lower your gaze. And let's take a deep, long in-breath, noticing the air as it comes in and nourishes the body. And then breathe out, perhaps opening your mouth and making a sound on your out-breath, like, ah, whatever wants to come out of your body. I don't hear any sounds. Feel free to make sounds. Let's do that again, breathing in, feeling the aliveness of the air coming in to nourish your body, and then exhaling, feeling the release in your body. Allow your face to soften, unclench your jaw, soften the area around your eyes and your forehead, and breathe in and out again. And now I invite you to bring your hands to your body. This is your piece of the earth. Perhaps place one hand over the heart, space, and maybe one on your belly. And as you place your hands on your heart and belly, invite those areas to soften. We often carry stress in our chests and bellies. Tell them that they are safe in this moment and that they can melt. Send them love. You may also ask your shoulders to release at this time. And now drop your attention to your pelvis, resting in the chair or on your bed or on the floor and feel whatever sensations arise. Breathe down into your body. And now, breathing all the way down into your feet, feel yourself connected to the earth through your feet. Imagine softening the soles of your feet so that they become porous to the life-giving energy of the earth. Allow your feet to absorb the energy of this magnificent earth beneath us. And now imagine the palms of your hands softening and feeling the aliveness in your hands. Let's spend a few moments now noticing how thoughts feel in your body. Noticing any sensations in your body. Notice if you come across any pain or constriction or pools of energy. What is your body trying to tell you? Listen gently. Don't force anything. Just be present to whatever is going on in your body and acknowledge it. This is your body's way of communicating. This is your body's language. Listen to it. Don't force anything. 
Just as when we go to a foreign country where they speak a different language, it may take us a while to understand the language of our body if we're not used to listening. But I invite you to stay open. Feel the sensations arising and falling. And ask your body, what are you trying to tell me in this moment? You may feel a desire to move arising in your body. If so, follow that. Our bodies weren't made to sit still for hours on end. And if some of you feel vibrations or pulses in your body that make you want to move, do so. Within the constraints of being in the sanctuary, of course, so you at home can move about as much as you like. You may wish to stand up or dance or shake or walk around. Whatever your body is calling you to do. Allow that energy to move through your body for a few moments now. And now I invite you to gently come back into the room, back into your seat, and slowly open your eyes. Listen to your body's rhythm for reintegrating into this moment. So did you hear any messages from your body? If so, raise your hand. Oh, beautiful. My body asked me to give it my loving listening, to honor it. And when you get home, you might wish to journal about what you learned. So the next time, my friends, that you are sitting in a meeting at work, or you're feeling restless or anxious or reactive, try coming into the present through the body. And then notice any sensations and ask them to tell you what they need. They may have a message for you. And I also invite us to move more. Our bodies aren't made to be stuck sitting for hours on end. Move, dance, or take stretch breaks. Torkel is a great teacher for us in terms of moving the body whenever you feel inspired. Wiggle, shake, or walk if you can. No matter whether you're confined to a wheelchair or you can get about easily, move in whatever way feels comfortable to you and watch the flow of energy reignite your body. My beloveds, our bodies are wise. They're our friends and companions on this journey of life. Listening and communicating with them is one of the most fruitful things we can do for our lives. Being connected with our bodies allows us to feel our full aliveness, experience joy, safety, and wholeness. Tuning into the soft animal of our bodies allows us to be in line with our instincts, with nature, and with who we truly are. My beloveds, may we fully inhabit our bodies. 
May we listen to and heed our body's instincts and messages. May we awaken to the miracle of this gift we have been given, this Ferrari. And may we incarnate fully into all the magic of our embodiment. Shame no more. May it be so. Amen.